Good morning. I would like to start by telling you guys a story. When I was a child, every service I would leave very disappointed. I know, I know, that's not what you want to hear from the preacher, right, as he's getting ready to start his sermon. But I would leave very disappointed. And I would, and let me tell you why. I would sit in the front row every single service, and I would, at the end of the service, the elders would get up and they would start to make announcements, and they would always say something that just made me really excited. And at the end of the closing prayer, when as soon as that amen was said, I would take off and just run straight to the lobby. I would get there, I would look around, thus disappointment. This went on for quite a long time, and then I got really confused, and I asked my dad, I said, Dad, why does the elder always say thank you for your presence, and there are no presents ever (laughs) sitting in that lobby? Am I just getting there too late? Are they taken by the time I get there? I don't know. That went on a little longer than I'm proud to say, but that being said, Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the present of you being here and encouraging one another, singing praises to God, and to now study the Word of God. So here, at the beginning of November, we enter into a season of thanksgiving. A season when we as Americans can start to dwell on our blessings. We can... We have that time set aside for us to do that, to be thankful for those blessings and spending time with the people in our lives that we are thankful for. But at its root, today, I want us to talk about what is gratitude. Matthew Henry um, is a name uh, some of us might know. He's an 18th century Puritan preacher whose Bible commentary is still, to this day, one of the most popular commentaries used. Um, But Matthew Henry, at one point in his life, uh, crossed paths with robbers, with thieves, and he was robbed. And for some of us here, that may be an experience that we're familiar with, something that we have encountered that maybe our car or our home has been broken into, um, and somebody stole something that belonged to you, and that can be really stressful and not something that we're particularly fond of um, happening to us. But I want us to uh, listen to Matthew Henry's perspective in recounting that incident. He said, Let me be thankful first, because I was never robbed before. Second, although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. What an incredible perspective for something so horrible to happen to you and to immediately turn to gratitude. As someone once said, if you can't be thankful for what you receive, be thankful for what you escape. So this morning, I want us to turn to the gospel, and we're going to look at the life of Paul the apostle, and see how we can grow in gratitude from the examples that he sets for us, either directly or indirectly. So gratitude, as a definition, is the pure, appropriate response to the saving and keeping grace of God. For us as Christians, that's what we would think of gratitude as. The opposite would be what? Ingratitude. 
And is that something that we as Christians should have? I don't think so, because ingratitude can be very dangerous in our lives and our relationships. In the ongoing daily struggle of life, where feelings of disappointment and entitlement can easily talk louder than our best intentions, why choose gratitude over ingratitude? And I can, keep, I can think of a couple of reasons, and my hope is that we can internalize these realities from the life of Paul that can help us outweigh the temptation of wanting to whine um, when we should be worshiping. In our lives and worship, we should always be giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. So first, the Apostle Paul clearly gives us an attitude of thanksgiving or a thankful attitude. In nearly every epistle that Paul wrote, what does he say at the very beginning? So all of his first words are words of thanksgiving and praise to God. Romans chapter 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. I give thanks to my God always for you. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, we give thanks to God since we heard of your faith in Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. Do you think Paul was a thankful soul? Even the whole book of Colossians, that theme just runs straight through the book. In the course of just a few pages, Paul exhorts his believers, um, first in uh, chapter 1, verse 3, he says, um, always, uh, he encourages him to always be thankful. Let's go ahead and open up to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. We'll start in verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And then he also encourages them to devote themselves to prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving uh, later in the book. And then as if summing up this whole idea, he seals it with one comprehensive, all-inclusive exclamation point in verses chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through the Father, to the Father through him. Paul's thanksgiving was not dependent on his life circumstances. We can read in 1 Corinthians, let's, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians. Let's go ahead and jump over there. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 11, verse 22. 2 Corinthians 
chapter 11, verse 22. We're going to start in 22. Are they the Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman. For with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death, five times I have received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, and dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, where there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of our, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Eridus was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. That's quite a long list of rough things that happened to Paul. If there was anybody that had a earthly right to whine about his life. I think Paul definitely is a fort, a front runner. I mean, we talked about a long list of danger, near-death experiences. I think a lot of that is something that we today don't really have to worry about, but still Paul was able to be thankful. He had this externalization of gratitude that was just spontaneous, rooted um, from his love for Christ and the saints of Christ's church. I think we should echo Paul as we recognize our indebtedness to God for the grace and gift of life and his providence in sustaining us no matter what tribulations we encounter. But next, Paul's thanksgiving is evidenced in prayer. Let's open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul uses the word for thanksgiving very often. Um, the Greek word for thanksgiving is eucharista. So if you were to take that and break it up into two, you have the first eu, E-U, means well, and the second, christia, uh, means grace or thanks. And while we consider God's charis, um, his grace, we are compelled to have the eucharistia, the thanksgiving that Paul writes here. And interestingly enough, in a lot of pre-Christian Greek literature, this word isn't used very often. Um, outside of the Gospels and Revelation, 
Um, that word really only is found in the writings of Paul. But there are other words um, in the Gospels, um, similar words. I'm not going to try to pronounce them because they're actually a little bit harder to pronounce. Uh, but other words um, that mean uh, blessed or they had given thanks, a little bit more of an action. Um, and that noun really that Paul uses only appears twice in the book of Revelation. Um, which was written well after um, Paul wrote the epistles. Um, so it kind of just goes to show that it's really possible that John borrowed Paul's um, usage. But I think um, we don't need to get to the nitty-gritty of the word, but just in understanding that Paul was very intentional in his writings in showing his gratitude through specific words. But for Paul, um, Thanksgiving is also a duty. It's something that he always does. As we just read, he said, again, we give thanks to God always for all of you. Paul expresses thanksgiving as something that he does. It's not just a feeling. This is an action, something that we need to do. And it's something that he should always do. Um, in the Greek text, that word, the expression is ophiliamen eucharistian, which is translated, we are bound to thank, or it is our duty to thank God always for you. It's more than just thanksgiving is a good idea, but rather thanksgiving is something we must do. It should be a regular daily, or regular part of our daily lives. And then further down um, in chapter 2, verse 13, he says again, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. It's not just an elective exercise, but it's a regular part in how we work together. We show thanksgiving to God, but we show thanksgiving to each other. And throughout these first two chapters, Paul connects the duty of thanksgiving with prayer that we also must thank God for others' benefits and blessings as well as ourselves. In order to do this, we have to have others on our minds whenever we're going to God in prayer. I think if we practice this form of thanksgiving, it can really help revolutionize our own lives and our relationships with others and each other here within the church. But gratitude in our lives, um, from what we have seen from Paul, is that gratitude can draw us close to God. God's command to be thankful um, is not the threatening demand of a tyrant, but rather it's an invitation of a lifetime that we have the opportunity to draw near to him at any moment of the day. Do you sometimes long for a greater sense of God's nearness? Do you feel that in your heart? That when pressures intensify, um, when the days are just simply piling up one after another or life just starts to feel dull and routine, do you crave the assurance of God's presence? Scripture says that God 
inhabits the praises of his people. We read that in the Psalms. God lives in the the place of praise. If we want to be where he is, we need to go to him. And that is another recurring theme through the Psalms. Let us enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving ushers us into the presence of God. The tabernacle in the Old Testament was a place that God had set aside um, to meet, or set apart to meet with his own people. That um, at the front of the entrance to the Holy of Holies, there was the sacred seat of God's manifest presence. There was an altar of incense where every morning the sweet smells uh, were offered up by the priests, which were representative of the prayers and thanksgiving of God's people who sought to draw near to him. And those ancient rituals are um, types and symbols of a relationship um, that we as New Testament Christians get to enjoy with God any time. That through the sacrifice and death of Jesus on the cross, that we were granted access to the Father who dwells in us by his Spirit. I want us to try to see what happens when we open our heart afresh um, to try to move beyond the normal, um, almost obligatory phrases of our prayers. Um, I'm guilty of that as well. Um, Sometimes we just say the same words just because those are the words that need to be said. But do we truly feel the thanksgiving and the gratitude and the joy and awe of being able to come to God in prayer offering thanks for the lives that we live. Because then, if we start to move past that, we can truly begin to magnify God with thanksgiving. And lastly, um, gratitude is a path to peace. I know a lot of people who suffer from a noticeable uh, deficiency of peace. I'm one of them quite often. And I'm not talking about a peace that equates to being able to sit on the couch all day with a cup of coffee, just sitting and doing nothing. Like, while that sounds inviting, that's really rare for a lot of us. The peace that uh, we are offered from God doesn't require a mountain cabin. It doesn't require a weekend getaway. The peace of God is a peace that we can find even in the most hectic moments and places where you feel like your life is just falling apart. But only can we find that peace because gratitude knows where to look for it. We know that we can and we should pray about these matters, but that's not the only thing that we can do. Let's go ahead and turn over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer 
and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, the peace that surpasses all understanding. It's kind of hard for us to wrap our mind around to want to pursue something that we don't understand. But I think that's the beauty in it is that the peace that we are offered through Christ really doesn't make sense, but we feel it. Because if we pursue God and we um, make known to Him our anxieties by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, that peace will guard our minds, will guard our hearts. To put it more simply, in every situation, prayer plus thanksgiving equals peace. When prayer teams up with gratitude, when we open up our eyes wide enough to see God's mercies even in the midst of our pain and suffering, and when we exercise faith and give Him thanks even when we can't see those mercies, He meets us with His indescribable peace. It's a promise. The grateful heart is like a magnet, kind of sweeping over the day, collecting reasons for gratitude. Every, every single person on this planet has something in their life that they can be thankful for. They just have to look for it. The beauty of a star-filled night sky. Thank you, God. The raindrops that replenish the earth that provides for us. Thank you, God. Waking up to a new day to live under his watchful eye. Thank you, God. For the jam on our toast, the milk in our cereal, to getting an extra hour of sleep. For the blanket that warms us, the joke that delights us, the warm sun that reminds us of God's love. For the thousands of planes that did not crash today. For the car that turned on this morning. For the green grass, for the fresh air, the cooling shade of the clouds on a hot summer's day. Thank you, God. Gratitude gets us through the hard stuff. To reflect on our blessings is to rehearse God's accomplishments. To rehearse God's accomplishments is to discover his heart. And to discover his heart is to discover not just good gifts, but the good giver. Gratitude always leaves us looking to God and away from dread. It does to anxiety what the morning sun does to the valley mist. It burns it up. And we can be thankful to God and his love for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. The magnitude of that love that God was willing to send his son to die for us, such an incredible sacrifice should be enough to comfort us alone. And with that gratitude should come action. As we sing in the hymn, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, 
my all. Have you really thought about those words? When we sing those, do you dwell on that? That his love, so amazing, that not just deserves, but demands my soul, my life, and my all. Have you given your soul? Have you given your life? Have you given your all to Christ? Have you put on Christ in baptism? Have you repented of your sins? Have you shown gratitude to God that we don't have to face an eternal death because of the sins that we have lived? If that's a decision that you would like to make this morning, something that has been on your heart, you want to repent of your sin, you want to become a member of his church to feel the peace that God alone can offer you, the gratitude that we can feel to him for his sacrifice requires action. And if you would like to be baptized, if you have any questions about what we have discussed this morning or what you have read in the gospel, ask anyone here. Because everyone here comes this morning with a heart to want to serve him. Because they can feel the love of God. If that's something that interests you or compels you, please come forward as we stand and as we sing.